Hey everyone, PJ here. So uh, today, this episode is going to be a little bit different. It was supposed to be the second half of Here to Slay of that review, but this discussion went a little long, so we decided to make it its own episode. So uh, I'm joined by Dan and Jack as we talk about the state of E3 and gaming in general, video games and board games, and where we think it's headed and all kinds of stuff like that. Yeah, we it's pretty freeform, uh, something a little different. So let us know what you think about it. Yeah, hope you enjoy it. Yeah, we talked about it in our Here to Slay video that uh, I want to have a conversation about just the state of gaming. In general. Um, in general. Because E3 has been canceled. Yep. Due to, quote, lack of interest. And that surprises me um, just in the way that they canceled it, but not when you think about the way that gaming has been going for the past, uh, what, like 10 years uh, a lot of games you can see have been going towards, like, mobile gaming. Like, a lot of the big companies. Well, for example, today, I found Doom. I was like, oh, yeah, I like Doom. And, all right, let's 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 take a look at this. What's on the phone? Oh, it's one of those. I do not. You just move the character around. Everything else takes care of it. So I was like, well, that's yeah, stupid. Yeah. I was going okay. to say, actually, I, I, I was looking up actual numbers because I, I have a theory and I wanted to check the numbers before I said anything. And I'm actually pretty close with what I was thinking. One, when E3 said that they were, it was a lack of interest, it wasn't necessarily a lack of interest. It was lack of corporate interest because yeah. Sony, especially Sony and Nintendo learned in the last few years that they don't need E3. They don't need these big press shows. Mm -hmm. Nintendo has the best system, if you ask me, where they have these the uh, tree, tree houses. houses or the oh. Yeah, they just like, oh, hey, you know, a week before they tell people on Twitter, Hey, beware on this date at this time. And they drop usually about a 45-ish minute presentation. And it's next couple of months kind of games are coming out. And hey, something that's similar, a little bit further out. And yeah. Sony started doing the same thing. They have their own event. Mm -hmm. And Microsoft has been doing their own event. Yep. But yeah, and so like that is something that um I had written down too. Mm -hmm. Is like, to me, like it just like yeah i get it saves a lot of money but it also yeah. feels just so lazy yeah. which is so common in the video game industry right yeah, now it is but also take a look at how this thing started when you when you really want to think about it this all started with nintendo because if you remember a few years ago they brought out some stuff at e3 and it just bombed because they weren't ready now they've taken that into their own hands where they don't have to go and set up a booth. Yeah. They don't have yeah. to do this. They, they were the first things. ones to back yeah, out. Exactly. Years they ago. were the first ones to back out, but they also were the first ones to go, well, pff, we've got all of this social media. Yeah. We can start doing this. Sony yeah, follows yeah. suit, yeah. but Sony doesn't have to do anything because they have the PlayStation. They've got the video game market. They've mm -hmm. got, they've got music, Sony music, BMG. They've got 
Sony Pictures, TriStar in Columbia, they've got all of these avenues where they go, eh, we don't need it. Like, did you yeah. see the trailer for uh, the new uh, Spider-Verse film? Uh, like, right so after the trailer, great, right after the trailer, it was a PlayStation 5 mm. ad. Well, because so, my, my other thing is that, yes, I actually, in my numbers, are going to bring that up, is yes and no. Like, because Nintendo realized that rather than rush to get something that's not quite right... For E3 in the middle, you know, in the beginning of June, they can say, okay, we can wait until October when it's actually where we want it to be and drop it. Right. But and that's the, smart thinking. Yes. And the other thing is, is that it's actually an economic system, right? It's an economic shift. And I've noticed this and so I'll actually look up the numbers because I, I have my theory is that board games are a microcosm of where video games were about. 15-ish years ago, 20 years ago, mm -hmm. we were in high school. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is that at that time was, you know, the terminus of the PS2 and Xbox era getting mm -hmm. into 360 and PS3. Yeah. You had a huge, you had a near, um, you, you had this huge jump year over year of, um, uh, increase, um, economic, uh, revenue increases, how it's called. Um, yeah. mm -hmm. the numbers were around like 14, 15% year over year yeah. for like a four year period. Mm -hmm. And what had happened is, is because there was a huge revenue jump, a lot of things happening in short order. One venture capitalists that for lack of a better word were normies had nothing to do with the video game industry. Like, Oh, Hey, there's money to be made here. Let's start funneling money. And, and that's where it's also the downfall of individual creativity that's where you start getting a lot of games that are very samey you know very set up mm -hmm. so and the other thing that happened is a media problem which was that originally if any of us wanted to get information on video games at the time we had a few options tech tv and g4 magazines or a few precious few because it was early it was honestly early internet like forums mm -hmm. yeah so all the media we were getting was by fans for fans. Mm -hmm. And as money got more and more and you got more venture capitalists, you also started getting, for lack of a better word, corporate groups saying, yeah, literally like uh, the New York Times had someone reviewing video games in their thing. And I'm like, that is not the person I want to go to for video games. Yeah. That reviewer might be a fan of video games, but he's at the New York Times. That is not who I'm looking for. And and what's happened, actually happened is that I'll, I'll actually go into the numbers for the US because I actually looked this all up. Um, Video games are not dying anytime soon. No. The economic, <laughs> right now, the U.S. domestic of video games is in the region of. Uh, I have it here too. $184.4 billion last year. Yep. Out of a worldwide total of 450, 457 and some odd billion. Now, a lot of that is mobile, something like 56 and some billion dollars mobile. Mm -hmm. And mobile is about 50% of the gaming industry worldwide. That's another problem that we had is the, like this infusion of mobiles. Yeah. The, uh, and they're, they're actually have projections of what video game growth is going to look like. And they're looking at uh, somewhere between eight and 9% growth year over year for the next about five years. Now, tabletop games, they are a fairly small right now. Um, for everything included, like things that are more digital only and also physical games and stuff like that and game equipment, the numbers I was getting is are in the area of 
$19 billion annually last year. Yep, that's right what now. I found too. And they're looking at, by the time 20, uh, by 2028, this growth, they're looking at, I've seen numbers floating between $31 billion and $40 billion. That is a huge amount of growth in a few short years. Yeah, yeah. I was looking at in 2021, typical board game <laughs> revenue was like $2.86 billion. And then it's just been doubling yep. like every every year. It's just yep. like building very quickly, as you said. Yep. And so and a large portion of that is in the US, whereas actually in video games, the largest market is Asia. Well, yeah. No, no. China, especially China and Korea yeah. are the two big ones. Oh, yeah. That doesn't surprise me at all. Which is also why mobile games are so huge, because those are huge in those countries. Mm-hmm. So a lot of companies are now thinking more, oh, this is going to be a worldwide product. What is the Chinese and Korean market? And actually, movies are having the same problem. Movies had a huge drop, and not just from COVID. Post-COVID, the numbers are way the hell down from where they thought they'd be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They haven't recovered. I don't think they will recover. I don't think so either. A lot of that has to do with the multiple streaming services that are out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Angie and I were just watching um, Madam Secretary today, and... Uh, on on the peacock, or as I like to call it, the cock, and <laughs> and we saw uh, a preview for something. I was like, "Wow, that looks really cool! I want to watch that." Only on Apple Plus. I'm like, "Well, fuck you!" And mm-hmm. here's my thing: from domestic box office, their projections for this 2028 was the farthest number I can get. That's pretty normal for economics. Yeah, they put the number at 31.8 billion worldwide. That is lower than most of the projections I was finding for board games by that time. Yeah. And even pre-COVID, the numbers were less than $12 billion. That is not a lot mm-hmm. comparatively. Well, you're also looking at, at that time before COVID, in the industry, you're looking at things that are focused. You're, you're not taking a movie, like let's say a Marvel movie, and you're not going, ah, oh, American audiences will love this and this and this and this. And now they're saying, especially Marvel, oh, well we have to change Iron Man's suit colors because this is going to go over into China. Oh, we have to change this. Yeah. We have to have a scene where we have two Chinese scientists talking because of China. We have to remove Finn from the poster because black people don't do well in China. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And Chinese that... audiences yep. heavily, heavily so marketed towards. Not only will that diversify everything, but now... When you think oh, that's going to boost sales ridiculously, you're actually cutting things down because now the other populations, they're all going, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Why did you yeah. do that? This yeah. is stupid. Well, when half your sales or whatever come from there, like you, you know, you have to decide pander. like, yeah, you have to pander like, or, you know, make the choice. Like, do we want to follow our artistic dream or do we want to make money? Exactly. And as much as I love the industry and I love being an actor, that is the one thing that I'm really glad I got out of Los Angeles. Like I'm, I, that I'm away from that because you can't just do a project anymore. You can't be like, Oh, this is great. We've got a great director. Like I couldn't go and work on something with David Lynch again and expect it to be this huge thing without all of these caveats. So you can't do this. We can't do this. We can't do this. Yeah. It'd be like, and I was going to say, that's the same thing as video games and movies are having that problem where they wanted to, to become a worldwide phenomenon. And this always mm-hmm. searching for the wider audience, yeah. forgetting that there isn't actually a wider audience. There is a core audience 
and then expanded out. That's what's killing. That's actually right. what you asked me is what killed uh, Blizzard Activision. Oh, not just that. Blizzard and Activision that dug is... their own grave because of their own stupidity and greed. Well, let's just they're, face they're that. actually one of the only companies that's making a profit, though. That's because or... they went to mobile games in China. That's what they focused exactly. on. Exactly. Like but, I said, greed. But before that point is, if you look at their games, like a golden example is what happened with Diablo. Diablo 1 and 2 were very core games. Well, they were fantastic. They were fantastic. 3 was a little bit wider. It lost some of that depth, yeah. but it, it did have a large amount of sales. But then their thought process is, oh, well, we can remake, and I'm putting that in huge quotes, the second one and re-put that out there and boxed it, just completely botched it. Yeah. yeah. And, wow. put, and then also made Diablo Immortals <laughs> a giant cash grab that was aimed at the Chinese market. Yep. And so rather than focusing on that core fan of these, okay, we want a, this dungeon crawling action RPG that's all about dropping loot, they wanted to start making it about secondary revenue streams mm -hmm. like the what started killing three before they changed it was literally a, a real money auction house oh yeah i remember yeah. hearing about that and then, i was like well i'm not buying this and diablo immortal everything is loot boxed and then this the remake of the second one is just a giant cash grab and yep. now there's so little hype for four that it's it's all well. It's not going to be dead on the vine, but it's already expecting lower sales than they were expecting. Lower sales, but yeah. they had the um, a beta weekend mm -hmm. two weeks ago. Phenomenal, like mm -hmm. really feels like the old school Diablo games, and it won back a lot of the fans. As long as they don't have any horrible you know, game breaking bugs, they're going to put the live money auction in. We all know it. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to be. Um, as necessary as it is in like Immortals, you know, like you'll probably be able to play through the game without ever needing to make a microtransaction, uh, because See, this is going to be a full price seventy dollar yeah. game. And that's the other thing. I think the microtransactions are killing, at least for people of our age range, mm -hmm. they're killing complete yeah. interest in the media because. I just spent my hard-earned cash to buy your stupid piece of shit yeah. game, and now you want me to pay more just so I can win? Yeah. Fuck you. Or or the fact that, like, when you buy a game, and in the rare case that you buy a physical disc, there is stuff on the disc that's, that's paywalled off oh, away from that. you. Even though you just gave them $70, mm -hmm. but you still don't have everything. That's, because it's locked away. That's ridiculous to me. What happened to the days where you could go out, buy a game, and you have the game? The yeah. game is done. And then they say, hey, by the way, we've got a, a, an expansion coming mm -hmm. out like in a few years. And be like, dude, no, how much? Half the price of the game? Yeah, yeah I'd totally buy that. And then there's like Marvel Avengers. Yeah. Have you heard about this? This oh, just yeah. came out like no. a couple days ago. It's a live service game, so that means, like, you know, you have to keep going with every season to make new purchases and everything. If you want all the skins, you have to purchase all them. Well, their last update hit. Uh -huh. They're done supporting the game. So they're like, well, because we're done supporting the game, you're not going to get any new content. Everything is free for everyone. So all the people who dumped oh. hundreds of dollars into this game, thousands of dollars into this game. Oh, now I know people that have done that. Yeah. Oh now everyone gets their stuff for free. That is stupid. Yeah. Oh, that's a and slap that, well, in the face. But then you just, you can't help but kind of look at the people who did that and be like, well, what 
did you expect? Why would you drop a few hundred you know, dollars on getting characters? On a game that you knew would not be permanent. Mm-hmm. You know? That, and the other one is... Mm. Um, it's also a cost issue, is that, at least from... Let's be honest, if a, if a board game fails, a lot of those are done through Kickstarter or through small runs. Like, mm-hmm. So, if they fail, it's usually one creator is out his hard-earned money. His yeah. or her hard-earned money. And... Even if he has, you know, some sort of investing or funding, they're out maybe a hundred thousand dollars, yeah. maybe two. And also, uh, it's a lot like the movie industry where movies have the tentpole mo- uh, mm-hmm. films, yes. you know, yep. and then that money brings in the funds for them to make the more artistic, creative things. Same thing with board games, except they're called the evergreens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. They have their evergreen titles. And once they have that, like, Munchkin is a perfect evergreen that there are a million different types of Munchkin out there. Oh, they can boy. keep retheming it for different IPs. Doesn't matter. It's going to sell. Mm-hmm. And all they can use that money then to funnel into other experimental games. And if it works, great. If it doesn't, then, oh, well, you know, we still have Munchkin to fall back on. The, uh, and so... That's another big thing that um, I love. We don't see in the video game industry a whole lot anymore. No, no There's... not really. I mean, you get you get company or like uh, uh, Activision and Treyarch and everything. Mm-hmm. I guess not Treyarch. Is it? Is it? Treyarch, Activision. They, they're, yeah, they're, they're still, still a thing. Yeah. Okay, but you know, you've got the Modern Warfare. Yep. Where they've sprung so far out of ideas and were so disliked <laughs> that they had to go back and say, "What was the last really good title we did?" Uh, uh, you know what? Back to Modern Warfare. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong; I really like those games. I, I think the reboot their Modern reboot, Warfare's are the reboots are actually really good, surprisingly. But I hate the multiplayer. I'm sorry, I can't do it. <laughs> I can actually give you a good uh, uh, this absolutely in practice. Square Enix is like that. They have their evergreen franchises. They have uh, Final Fantasy. They have Final Fantasy and Dragon Quest. Every time they make one of those and release it, it's going to make money. They have some other ones that are double A range where it's not as expensive, but they usually make a profit. And then they try to do things creatively. And a lot of times it fails because they're trying to pander to a wide audience and it falls apart. A growing, grand example for Moe this year is Forspoken. It came, oh, out, it came out the end of January, which was... Not I that long. Don't even know about this. Well, it gets better. There's a good reason for that. You gotta look up the Angry yeah. Joe review. Oh, it's it's. Oh boy. It's it's a terrible game. Is the point? Um, it cost over a hundred million dollars in development money. As of oh, as of a few hours ago, they had less than two hundred players. Ouch. That's worse yeah. than Halo Infinite, which I have I have some things to yeah. say about. So. By the way, we still have to play that. (laughs) For a company like Square Enix, they can eat that cost because Mm -hmm. they have the next Final Fantasy coming out later this year. Mm -hmm. That being said, there was a lot of backlash on that game because rather than making this interesting style game, they were trying to push to a wide audience and were more interested in what Twitter had to say about it than what players were saying about it uh, who gives mm-hmm. a shit about twitter i think social media is destroying unfortunately this video games industry is one of them and yeah. that's the reason why there's been the politicization of video games is the other big problem yeah which is why i'm so surprised that the harry potter game 
is a really good game because they ignored uh-huh. everything on social media. Yep. Good. And there's like, we're going to make a good game. Yep. Like a really good game. And that's what developers need to do. That's that's what we have here with, with board games. You know, it's the, the designers make a game that they want to play. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of the ones that we have interviewed, that's what it is. We've got this game that we wanted to play, that we thought would be fun with our friends. Yeah. And here's what we're doing. We think it's going to work. Yeah. And then the games that do work, it's the same thing. Why did you make the game? Because I had this idea that I thought would be fun. Yes. And now you've got, you know, video games now anymore is why'd you make the game? Well, because we wanted to make a shit ton of money. Yep. And, and we wanted to do it as quickly and lazily as, as possible. possible. The <laughs> easiest way we can possibly make it. That's right. Like, that was, oh, go ahead. I was, that was going to be my point is that if you look on social media, anytime a video game is mentioned, it's either attacking people for liking a game, mm-hmm. attacking a game because they have the wrong whatever whatever the uh, topic of the day is or whatever the complaint of the day happens to be, whatever. Uh-huh. Yep. Whatever uh, is woke. Yeah, whatever is woke enough at that moment. Mm-hmm. And, or it's, you can't go onto social media. I can't just go onto Twitter unless it's someone I know, of, you know, that I know or like that I follow. Like, okay, what did they think about this game? The idea of that doesn't exist. And yeah. so then instead you just have people, oh, the Jake, the Harry Potter game had a huge fur, like this huge anger on Twitter because J.K. Rowling is a turf, trans-exclusionary radical feminist. So she yeah, was, thank you. I was going to ask you what the hell that was. It's it's a trans-exclusionary. She's a she's a very transphobe. Hard, for not that lack I care. Of a better term. I mean, well, I don't like, like her anyway. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> she doesn't have an original thought because Harry Potter is just Star Wars. I, I, that aside, but <laughs> well, Star Wars is, is just magic in space. So. I know exactly. <laughs> it's a little like King Arthur with magic. That's all. Yes. Yeah. And that's what Harry Potter is too. There's like a sword in yeah. a lake and like, yeah. she pulls a lot of mythology. Yeah. And, but so my thing is like, you're going to say a lot of swords out of her ass, but that would work too. <laughs> again, I'm not a fan of Harry Potter, but my thing is, is that everyone that's everyone that I, you know, listen to that I trust said, Oh, this game is actually, it's good. objectively good. good. Yeah. Even, like, the ones who don't like it were giving it sixes and sevens yeah. out of ten. Like, saying, you know, there are some issues with the game at certain points, but otherwise it's a good game. Other people are giving it glowing praises. And then you have other reviewers who are literally saying, because she, because it was a, the, the, the media was defending a reviewer. In the review said, this is a middling game at best. Eh, I would disagree, but. Whatever, even so, that's their opinion. Exactly. Yeah. Now, if you have an out of 10 system, if you say a game is middling, that's four to six. Yeah. They gave it a one because how dare J.K. Rowling's, you know, she get any money from this game. That was their entire argument. Yeah. Okay. Do they understand that J.K. Rowling is going to get only a sliver of that while oh, the other companies get... like Warner Brothers is going to get oh, a giant chunk of that? She's not going to get much out of this game from the start. They said that. You know where she gets a lot more money from? Anyone who goes to uh, the theme parks. Yeah. Just by going into um, Universal. Universal. Either of them, just by buying a ticket, a portion that immediately goes to her. But yep. my thing is, is like the discourse around video games has become politicized more than about the game itself. Absolutely. Whereas board games, we don't have that problem. A board yet. game, if you, yeah, yeah that was my, that would <laughs> be my cautionary. There tale. are a little bit because yeah. like board games are very white. There, yes. there are a lot of white people <laughs> in board games. Yes. You know, it's very rare to yeah. look at 
you know, the characters in a board game and see a persona that is Asian or Kenyan or, you know, anything that's not European or so, European descendant. To our listeners out there who actually do give a giant, well, even a, the tiniest shit about what we're talking about in board games and you like to create, take take that as like a kind of nudge. Yeah, 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 exactly. Guys. And yeah. so, and and when we talk about things that are woke, we say it almost sarcastically because, like, we want representation. We want that, you yeah. know. We we don't want people to feel excluded when yeah. they're playing games. That we right. want. Uh, so we, you know, like ev- I think everyone wants that. But when they take it and turn it into a tool for attacking something, yes, that's where mm-hmm. there's an issue, and that's a big thing that's been happening yeah. to video games. Yeah, and. Like we said, it hasn't happened to board gaming yet. Um, Isaac Childress proactively did that with Frosthaven, as he got rid of the word race in like when when it says like pick your race. You know, mm-hmm. it's uh, I forget what he what term he uses, but he got rid of that, and he um, so he's been you know he's been like really careful with like how to do that, and even with Gloomhaven, sure, sure he had that term, but he had all these really interesting creatures. Oh and yeah, stuff. like he didn't use the standard D and D creatures yeah, and right. beasts and all that. He made his own thing and everything felt felt very very inclusive and very, very oh, yeah. d- very varied. And yeah. you know, just very interesting. Yeah. I I was gonna say you said about D D. That's another example is that despite what Twitter has said is objectively from the start, D is one of the most inclusive games. Like absolutely you can be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And going into 5e from previous editions, it was even better because in earlier editions, there was this thing where certain races would actually limit you from taking certain classes or yeah. give you certain penalties. Whereas they got rid of a lot of that stuff with 5th edition. And 5th edition, I can say from looking at different other tabletop games, is one of the most open systems saying, if I want to play a half-orc who is, you know, prancing around barding all the time, I can do that. If I want to... la di da di da Or in one of our own games, we had we had the halfling barbarian... <laughs> Literally, yep. uh-huh. couldn't carry a great axe, had this little tiny uh, battle axe, and was perfectly functional. Works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but the, so my thing is like, but then Twitter started attacking them like, oh, well, it's not, literally someone came up with this idea that orcs are African-Americans, and they're like, I, and everyone's like, attacking yeah, it's them like, for that. And, and we're all just like, where, where did this come, come from? from? And so people are, and that's another problem is that people are trying to find reasons to be perpetually like offended by these longer existing franchises. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately I would say video games are a cautionary tale because right now I said the way the economics are growing, it's not, I don't think it's going to be as big as video games just because the numbers aren't the same, but the percentages are, this is, this is basically where board games are now with this huge proliferation of new ideas and new concepts was basically where we were in high school. Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah. yeah, you had, you had some very similar feeling things. You had the first Call of Duty feeling very samey, but you also had these completely new and unique franchises coming out. Yeah. But so then it's, and then it started growing and growing. And Sorry, as I it was growing, just... you had a core audience and it started growing out now. And, and so your sales were going through the roof, just like board games are now. Right. Yeah. My thing is, I don't want, for lack of a better word, bad actors coming in and saying, you know, trying to destroy this from within Mm because that's what started happening to some video game companies. That's right. We don't want Tommy Wiseau coming in and saying, oh, hi, Mark. 
Yeah, pretty much. You're and tearing me apart. <laughs> Sorry, I had so, to throw that out. <laughs> uh, that voice every time. He has a new movie coming. <laughs> he didn't get hit by a meteor yet. Just divine retribution. But I was. But my thing is like. Another thing is that yes, um, uh, it's going back to this thing of like reviews and people talking about board games is almost done on exclusively through either. Uh, um, it's all know, just podcasts or YouTube, really. I was going to say podcast, YouTube, or... Um, I said the word earlier, and now it escapes me. Describe uh, it. Like online, like forums. Forums, or, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Forums or like Reddit or something like that. Yeah, word of mouth. Word of mouth is more... And that's how video games were. Yeah. And so long as it... In a very real sense, as long as it stays that, you're going to still see continual growth without this, you know, invasion of like honestly venture capital is one of the things that killed video games as well it's like oh, yeah. people that didn't have an interest in video games giving money and that's actually mm-hmm. what killed uh-huh. the first video game crash here in the US is uh, that yeah in, in the, the 80s, Ataris is that is that you had venture capital and you had people rushing in to make money on this system creating a bubble and popping it by putting out substandard games and yeah I blame Atari and specifically E.T. Well, E.T. Yeah. was E.T. was the death knell, but it was actually other <laughs> games were the bigger problem. But that's what I blame. blame. I blame Atari because they allowed it to happen. <laughs> but was, I blame uh, E.T. because that game just sucked. <laughs> that's actually why. Um, if you ever like old Nintendo games, they don't do it anymore. But they used to have the Nintendo the seal, Nintendo seal approval. Yes, yeah. I remember those. Yeah, and that was actually because of that. It's like yes. yeah. this shovelware system. But. And again, in a very real sense, so long as they as board games keep that, it will be yeah. a more sustainable growth. Yeah, and so, something I wanted to touch on um, in terms of like why people are abandoning video games for board games, mm-hmm. like myself, I I would any day of the week if someone said, "Do you want to play a, ga- uh, a game?" I'd be like, "Yeah, what what kind?" Yeah. And if they gave me the choice, I'd say board game. Like, oh yeah, every time. And uh, for me, like so. Some of the things that I just I just listed some of the reasons that like that drove me out of uh, video gaming. One, microtransactions. Mm-hmm. Yep. When I buy a game, I want to own the product. Right. Exactly. Uh, yeah. And board games allow me that. Like when mm-hmm. I get it, it's a complete box of stuff. It's a physical and copy. It's done. It's ready to go. It's it's finished. Yep. Um, well, hey, unless be- you're playing Aliens. Uh, glorious day in the court <laughs> so then uh, that's assembly say, required there's a new one coming oh, by the way i was going i'm to... curious no it's from the same company like a third i'm still curious <laughs> i was going to say and actually video games have a good parallel to that where the early days of dlc was like that where you had the complete game and then you could expand get, it was right, an, an expansion pack yeah i bought i remember buying like StarCraft AVP. and StarCraft Brood War. Right. Oh, AVP, yeah. AVP yeah. too. AVP, you and I used to play that all the time. It was awesome. And yep. then I went to it. Ready? I'm going to date myself. And EB Games. You guys remember EB Games? Uh, and EB there games. on the shelf was... Back, well, they were called Electronics Boutique. Oh, that's right. Before that's they were right. EB Games. That's right. But they had they had the expansion for AVP to Primal Hunt. And I was like, oh my god, how much? 20 bucks. Bam. Yeah. yeah. And now I get... This whole expansion, which in and of itself is this, like, it's just a different, almost mm-hmm. completely different game that ties into yeah. the, the, you yep. know, the one that you just and had. And now let's flip to today, where a free-to-play game like Rocket League 
mm-hmm. used to when you paid twenty dollars for the game like me, and you could buy a car for three to five dollars. Mm-hmm. Like I got the DeLorean for four bucks. I think. Did it was. you go back in time with it yet? Yes. Awesome. So you hit eighty-eight <laughs> miles per hour. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> but now because it's free to play and it's like you know part of the new generation of gamers and everything. If you want a new car, it comes with a, it's a car, a new paint job, and like a, an explosion when you make a goal, twenty dollars. So the price of the game. Originally. Yeah, the <laughs> price of the original game when you had to pay for it. I was oh, gonna say God. that's basically Fortnite. Fortnite, despite being this huge like online game, I was despise act- that game. Me too. But the actual original game was not that. There was actually it was literally like a like a full play. Like, four-player... It was honestly kind of played, like, Left for Dead, but with building elements. Yeah. And they literally just created this, like, Battle Royale mode for it. And literally, the main game no longer exists. It's just the Battle yeah, Royale. Well, free I mean, play. that's what they tried to do with Call of Duty as well, until people <laughs> finally spoke out against it. Because that's the thing. Uh, Battle Royale games, it seems to be the popular thing right now. And I think it's another thing that's killing video games for people yep. our age. We don't yeah. give a shit about that. Yep. And so an- another thing is um, the the move to loot boxes and gambling. Ugh. Yep. And uh, if I wanted to gamble, guys, I'll just save my money and go to Vegas again. Okay. Yeah. But the biggest thing I'm seeing, Halo and the EA especially, do this. They remove features that were in older games. And then they will re-release them in the new game. Be like, look what we have. You remember this? Like, it's back. It's like, well, yeah, you should have had that in the first place. Yeah, why did we lose it to like, begin with? Like Halo, um, when the original Bungie games were out, we had Firefight. We had Invasion. We had Forge. All day one. Like, when the right. game released. Uh, of course, we Firefight had, came in with ODST, which is still one yeah, of my favorites. But still, games of all day time. one when ODST was yeah, released, or when stuff. Reach came out. Yep. Reach was it awesome. Was, still the uh, armor customization. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, you had all these different game modes, you know, mm-hmm. a- along with like Slayer and Team Slayer and all that. There was like Griffball, there was Fiesta, <laughs> there was Race. You remember the Race mode? I remember the Race mode. Yeah, uh, there that was stuff Oddball was and Headhunter. Like, mm-hmm. uh, but and now they're not there. The Griffball is in Halo Infinite for maybe a couple weeks, and then they take it away. And then they bring it back a couple weeks later. Is that to keep interest? Because you're going to lose people. Exactly. You're going to lose people instead of keep them. But they think it's going to keep bringing people back, and they're not. No, you're going to have a spike when you know it's back, and then you're going to have a huge drop. Yeah. Because, well, well, my favorite game style is gone. Fuck it. I'll just go to this other game that I've been trying to play. And now, because of create... You know, like, let's go back to creativity for a minute, and, you know, like... The bankruptcy and of ba- creativity. Bankruptcy and- of creativity. Get, games are just made to make money now. And with Microsoft... Same with movies. Spending... <laughs> yeah. With Microsoft <laughs> spending $69 billion to buy Activision, they are cutting and firing a lot of people. One of the, one of the places they cut was the story team of Halo. So the, the story DLC that was planned, they haven't announced it officially yet, but... Everyone's like, yeah, it's been canceled. Like, th- there's no team left. So, you know, like they might as well just come out and say they canceled the story DLC because there's no way it's going to come out now. Okay, well, now I really don't care about playing the game. Right. 
Like, uh, the the they, only time I'll play that is if I play with you online to do some of the like, yeah. to do the co op. Now that it finally released, yeah, not even split screen, which they promised after. But the, but, but they they did a some like you can hack into it to do it, which guys yeah just, people can hack the game and do split screen and it works pretty much just fine. But just, they're like, no, it's not possible because they're lazy. They don't yeah. want to. I was and yeah. that while it's not a uniquely West thing, like this is why I've noticed that. Because I play a lot of games from Japan as well as from the U.S., especially mm-hmm. for video games. I've noticed there's a huge difference. And I'm going to put it to you this way. Um, I love the the Shin Megami series. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not that long ago, Shin Megami Tensei Five came out. And I'm going to say, story-wise, it wasn't up to 4 and 4 Apocalypse, personal opinion. But I can say this. From a player standpoint, when I, when I got the card, put it in my Switch, played it. From the time I turned it on, there was a little bit of an update that was just like a static bug fix, which is normal that I expect. Mm-hmm. But this, st- I could go through the entire story, and everything in that single player game was there. All the DLC that existed was purely if you want extra demons for your squad, and one and each one of them has like a little bit of like when you recruit them, there's like a like a short little bit there, like story bit right. for recruiting them. But the entire game was there. It's not like they're yeah. promising us. Oh, well, there's going to be an entire zone, but you have to pay for it. Everything was there. Yeah. And, but I'm comparing that to like the most recent Western game I got. It just felt like they cut out so much. So they can charge you for it later. Yep. Right. And you brought up something that also bugs the crap out of me. That's, I mean, been prevalent for quite a while now, which is here's a brand new game. Yeah. I got this game. I'm going to boot it up. Yeah. Why did I just load a hundred gigs worth of shit only to be told, by the way, um, here's a bug fix that we yeah. are too lazy to actually put, yeah. to hold the game and off for maybe like two more days. it's another 15 gigs of exactly. download. Exactly. Yeah. And it's like, why did I just, why? Yeah. <laughs> I was why? Say, multiplayer games are so much worse than single player games I've noticed. Because, like, for the Switch, yeah. if there's a multiplayer mode, it's just, like, a, it's, like, two gigs. If it's, like, a single-player, oh, we had, like, a glitch in this story mission. It's, like, I'll download it with Because it's just, phone. like, a line of code they have yeah. to correct, and that's and, it. Yeah. And yeah. that's the other thing is I focus is, like, video games, if you ask me where they've still succeeded, is the games that do not focus on multiplayer. Just focus on a single-player mm-hmm. story. Mm-hmm. I find that they're doing a lot better. Well, those are the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a personal thing, too. But I will say that when it comes to cooperative things or like even competitive things, board games just do it better anymore because there's that. It used to be when, you know, back when we were in high school, if we wanted to play multiplayer in a video game, we were on the couch together playing it. Yeah. So that's a very different experience than playing online. And I can say that, like, from my experiences, I don't like playing online games at all. Yeah. If I want to play multiplayer, I want to be on the couch with somebody. Mm -hmm. And even like, when I, because I'll play multiplayer games just so I can listen to a podcast, mm-hmm. but when I'm in there, like playing Call of Duty where there are hundreds of thousands of people playing every night, no one has a mic. No one's yeah. talking. There's no social aspect going no. on in this game. So it's, there's like no, like there's no real, there's no real teamwork in the way of no coordination. Yeah. Yeah, like for me, it's just something to do while I listen to the fun thing. You know, the right. podcast is the actual fun. The po- you know, the video game is just something to do. <laughs> I was gonna say a great example, like, and I agree. Like, if uh, Halo is a great example, like 
back when we were in high school, we'd have LAN parties. Yeah, we might not all be in the yeah. same room, but we'd have, you know, like 10 of us, 10, 12 of us in a house in different TVs <laughs> playing Halo. You might not see the person, but you're all like friends. You're all playing together. And, and after every match, you did. Yeah. We, you all got together around the table it might or have whatever. Been just to call somebody a-hole for doing this or that, or to question how I kept ending up not where I was supposed to be, but we were having fun. We were talking. And now if you play online, like play Halo online, this is a golden example. Like when Reach, when I was playing that online, so I'm like, mm-hmm. like two people on my team quit. So the rest just quit. And it was just me. And yeah. I'm just like, I can't do anything. And yep. what am I going to do? Just sit here? Like it was, and it, honestly, even that, like, even with like hearing people talk, like no one was talking. No. No. And if anyone was talking, it was just to yell at each other for doing something they didn't like or yeah. right. or trash talking. Yeah, which like, which is fine if it's my friend. If it's some person I don't know and they're telling me I'm an asshole, mm-hmm. be like, I want you to prove that. I mean, I'll never, I'll never say they're wrong. Like, yes, I. Oh, am. I am. That's... <laughs> I am an, I am an amazing asshole. But my point is, is like, do you bleach? <laughs> no, nah, I'm as natural as possible. Oh, these okay. Things. Um. <laughs> But, like, <laughs> like the land parties, Sorry. we would trash talk each other to no end, and we would insult each other to no end, but we were all friends. It wasn't, yeah, like... Yeah. It wasn't mean-spirited. Exactly. It was friends just, you know, yeah. being dicks to each other. I, I, might... I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it did get mean-spirited, like when we shot uh, Brian in the head with four different sniper rifles. <laughs> they crisscrossed. That slowed the game down so bad and then you just saw John firing off the pistol and ping, ping, ping. Oh, come on, guys. My, my favorite was still, he's got a rocket launcher. It's called a shotgun. He's got a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, my favorite is still like, I think it was Halo 2, it was Waterworks with the giant cave. Like, here, oh here's the God. shotgun. You're going to just guard the flag. Okay. Someone came in, I killed them. Why do I, why am I lost? Why, why does it say I can pick up the flag? Hey guys, why does it say I can pick up the flag? Where are you? What? Where are you? I don't know. Come to the center. Where is that? You and our friend Kevin, he could yeah. do that too. Where's Kevin, guys? Guys, I'm in their base. <laughs> Get the warthog. <laughs> Mine wasn't even that because I'd pick up the flag and wander off and I had no idea where I was. At one point, it was either you or Brandon's like, where are you? And they're literally trying to shoot me to take the flag so you can get the flag. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I never team killed, even in extreme circumstances like that. Might have been the Brandon only time I team killed was in campaign. That's fair. Yeah. yeah thanks a lot, dick. Yeah. <laughs> that was another, like, and so the, that's another thing. It's like the, the story aspect is another one for that. Like com- cooperative storytelling is something that can exist in a co-op game. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially split screen, especially on the couch. Like you can actually talk and like mm-hmm. you can plan things better. And board games you can do that too. I was gonna right. say and even like tabletop RPGs do that really well. Yeah. How often even on Danger and Dice do you guys be like, What is he thinking? And you guys will like plan stuff out. You actually work together and think yeah. cooperatively. Yeah. And that's something that, like, yeah, sure, D&D and all that, they've been around for generations now. Mm-hmm. But board games themselves have yeah. now started doing. doing. Yeah, uh, right. We, you know, like, we reviewed Spirit Island, which is <laughs> one brutal. hell of a fucking it game. It is brutal. I love uh, it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's a cooperative game that will destroy you if you are not cooperating with yeah. each other. Yeah. And that's something that board games just d- could not do before. Gloomhaven is like that, too. I was going to say, yeah. Gloomhaven is basically... 
D&D meets an actual board game. And that's why yeah. I think it is yeah. so good. And yeah. uh, what is that? Uh, how uh, Betrayal is another great one for that. Uh-huh. Where it's, yeah, where it tells the story, story. And every time you play, the story is different. Even yeah. if it's the same haunt, the story, the story is, is different. Very different. Right. And uh, that, so I was going to say that creativity is another thing. It's like right now we are in the biggest boom of creativity for board games. Yes. If you think back when we were in high school or grade school, you had a couple of board games. You basically had... You had your you had your Parker brother and Milton Bradley brother. things. Yep. So yep. Risk, you Monopoly, Battleship, Battleship, Life, Mousetrap, and the probably the most out there one was probably Settlers of Catan. Yep. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, there wasn't a lot of options. It was just these again what they were calling like the evergreen ones or like these ones yeah. that are always existing. Like right. there's always going to be a new version of Monopoly. There's always going to be an updated Risk. Yep. Which are great. Well, I'm not the biggest fan of Monopoly. Huge fan of Risk. Yep. I like them both equally. <laughs> well, my thing is Monopoly always comes down to who... It's not the fun kind of assholery. That's my issue with it. It's not the fun kind of assholery. Yeah, yeah. Like, but, I would rather... I don't know if you've played it. Maybe once. Lords of Waterdeep? Yes. yes. Yeah, that's a better Monopoly. Yes. Hmm. Uh, but so, but so, like, we're in an era right now, especially with board games, where creativity is exploding. Like, what... Now, I can say this because I was actually at... Um, Target the other day, walking through the aisle where they have board games at Target. Literally, one section is all like the ones that you that have been around forever. You know, mm-hmm. Monopoly, yeah. all that kind of stuff. Uno, all. I appreciate that separated. Yeah, and from then there's the like hobby di- games, and then there's like a divider <laughs> where it's actually one of the it's actually a divider for one of the aisles, and on the other side are like all these games. Are, I was like looking at the one, and I'm like, oh wait, we were just playing this one, or oh, yeah. this is by the same creator of this other game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's become so much more creative so much more broad mm-hmm. and again as long as it's growing from a core it'll be fine yeah and so i wanted to talk about some of the reasons why i've so i talked about some of the reasons yeah. why i was pushed away from video games yes uh so some of the reasons why i was pulled into board gaming mm-hmm. uh so we talked about some of them already like yeah. they can mimic video games now in yes. a lot of ways uh, through storytelling or like with Gloomhaven, the AI, like there's actual AI in board yeah. games now I with, mean, without a screen. But what's cool is it, it's enough though. If you, you follow know? it, it plays itself. Yeah. yeah it, it, it's still enough to like, you know, with simple imagination, like mm-hmm. you see it, you get it, you know, right. Hounds, you know, they're called hounds in Gloomhaven, but yeah. wolves, do more damage when they are in, in a, a pack. pack. Yeah. Uh, the scoundrel Jack's character does more damage if he can get behind someone. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so things like that. Um, but so they're like, like there are now app driven games, mansions yep. of madness where right. there are literal stand up moments. Like you have in a video game where, you know, like your heart is racing because freaking star spawn is barreling down the hallway at you. And you're, and like with Dan and I, first time he ever played the game, he has the, he has the thing and he has to get to me. So he like tosses it to me and he gets killed by the thing. No, I, I got you killed, got killed by and I, as I'm tossing him the thing he needs. And then he gets out alive with the evidence and like, 
You know, it was literally one turn away from us all dying. Oh, yeah, it was great. You got away, but not all in one piece. You're by, you know, yeah. <laughs> someone or in your there's... party was left behind. Yeah. Uh, or about oh. well, the second time we played when uh, we ended up dying in the fire because uh, the townspeople burned the friggin' building while, you know, while we were still inside. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's a, that's another thing. Like, I, that's also led to a huge, like, proliferation of board games is... It's also been so pseudo-democratized where the cost of a good board game is not that much different than video games now are 70 for... Yeah. So, I mean, a good board game is like 50 or 60 bucks. Exactly. So and if, and if you want like a, a high-end luxury one that gives you all the hours a video game would, uh-huh. but with this amazing tactile sensation, yep. it's only like $30 more. You know, yep. it's like mm-hmm. it's a $90, $100 experience, which sounds expensive, but compared to a $70 video game, yeah. it's not that it's it's yeah. the same as buying Call of Duty with the battle pass. Yeah. That's right. You and know, it's it's the same thing, but mm-hmm. with this luxurious tactile experience. And I was gonna say, I mean, that another thing is border games, I've noticed, have been able to what one of the other like from back when we were in high school or like one of these older style games I was really like huge that was like a tabletop game was actually like the Warhammer franchises where oh, yeah. 40k. Oh right? yeah. But those things are insanely expensive where a good right. army could be several hundred dollars. Yep. And then your friend also needs to have an army of a several hundred dollars. Whereas right. mm-hmm. even like a f- even other games that can kind of put that like you versus them kind of army versus army thing is a game of risk. I mean, I got the Warhammer 40k, which was more expensive. It was like 50, but right, like a yeah. box standard one's like 30 or 40 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, or if you want to be on the same side, again, Gloomhaven and Frosthaven are a little bit more expensive, but nowhere near as expensive as an army in 40k. Yeah. And there are now smaller skirmish army style games. Like, yep. Uh, I just got memoir 44. Right. Well, I am so excited to play there's that core space down here, which Ooh. is a miniatures skirmish game. I like that. Uh, yeah. Um, and there's also uh, uh-huh. Star Wars Rebellion. Oh, we got to yes. play Which that is a too. huge... It's That one's more it's expensive. Massive. It's a $90 game. But it's a war game, essentially. You have all the ships and all this and that. <laughs> uh, but it's also a game of hide-and-seek. Which, <laughs> which is something else where a lot of video games are now taking ideas from board games mm-hmm. with especially hide-and-seek hidden role games uh, or hidden movement games. Like, there are a lot of Roblox games that where, um, like, they're hide-and-seek games where you can, like, turn into a trash can and then yeah. you, like, just, yeah. just sit on a corner and, like, you know, there are, like, 11 p- other people and they all turn into, like, random bits of the landscape and then there's one person who's it and they have to figure out what's a bench and what's a person pretending to be a bench yeah and very much a board game thing there are a lot of board games that have that mm-hmm. uh and or there's among us yeah oh yeah 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 that's literally werewolf yeah. or mafia you yeah. know they took these card games that have been around for decades well not and... even card games like uh, see mafia mafia we used to do in theater as a party game yeah where you just you were told what you did and that was it mm-hmm. yeah mafia werewolf like and and all these social deduction games like they've mm-hmm. been around forever yeah but among us is what three years old 
something like it? that. So, yeah. It's actually a little bit older. It just yeah, it's a popular. little older, but like yeah. its popularity has boomed in the boomed, last few years. Yeah. yeah, just a couple of years ago, and uh, and so it's that kind of thing mm-hmm. where like board games are now getting to this point where video games are starting to take from them. Like Gloomhaven plays out almost identical to XCOM on Steam. Oh, yeah. Like oh, the, yeah. the digital version of Gloomhaven feels so much like XCOM. Speaking of which, XCOM 2, I've had it since it came out in 2015. I finally beat the son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> And that's not the expansion. It's just the regular game. game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, the other thing is, like, not just the democratization where the cost effective is the variety. It's like... Oh, yeah. Modern video games, and I mean, they, they break into a few key areas. Either a shooter, it's either one of the more social games, or it's going to be an RPG of some stripe. Right. Yep. They, they, and even within those same ones, and I play a lot of JRPGs, and a lot of them feel very samey. Whereas... Yeah, back in high school, there were games that I would play that I'm just like, this is chill. I enjoy yeah. it. It's just calm. Mm-hmm. Whereas other games are like really amped up and like really action packed. And board games do that a lot better nowadays. Where it's just like, if I want like a really chill time, grab you and Shanna and play a game of Azul. Yeah. That is probably one of the most calm games. Oh, absolutely. Um, If I want something more hopped up and we're playing games like, you know, let's crack out Gloomhaven. Let's continue the adventures of... <laughs> the morally ambig- ambiguous uh, <laughs> scoundrel who keeps dragging yeah. your good people into horrible situations. Yep. Or if you want something like, you know, you, you can get games that are like huge mental exercises where your yep. brain hurts afterwards. Uh-huh. Or there, there are things like the legacy style games where yeah. the board changes as you're playing it and will forever be changed. Right. You lose. To, all right. Play another game. <laughs> yeah. Play like... Uh, one of my, my favorite thing is Betrayal House on the Hill. One of the yeah. rooms is the, um, uh, what's it called? The, um, the sunken room, I believe it is. Oh yeah. And it's just <laughs> this room that has a huge hole in it. Mm-hmm. And in Betrayal Legacy, there's a chance that you create that room. Yep. Uh, and you know, like, and you throw out, you literally throw out this one room. You'll never see it in the game again. Yep. And you add the sunken room into your game. And like, that's yep. part of the house now yep. where some people, they will never see the sunken room in betrayal legacy. Yep. Because that they would trigger happened. that event. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's something that video games, like some video games kind of do. Like the Witcher games are really good at blocking you out of certain content because yeah. of a choice you made. Yep. Right. But not too many games do that, you know, or yeah. in terms of video games where board games, they do it all the time. Yeah. Gloomhaven, if you, when you beat the campaign, they say, I, I'm not even close. Uh, you, you only have seen about a third of the game. Mm-hmm. I, I was going to say back to the whole social thing is like, also, and you were saying like a good example is um, a good, uh, that kind of like secret, you know, things like either Werewolf or Secret Hitler mm-hmm. playing very similar to um, Among Us, that whole like social yeah. who is the bad person game. Yeah. Whereas Among Us, there's a certain thing of it where it's guesswork, which right. I hate. Uh-huh. Whereas Secret Hitler and Werewolf, you actually have to read the other people at the yeah. table. Like there are certain parts of it that is straight down to body language. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, there are some people who are just terrible liars. There are some people that are very obvious are not it, are not like, you know, who they yeah. say are, or they are who they say are. And board games do that better. And yeah. as much as fun as Among Us can be, it's yeah. just that 
And something Among Us tries to do too is like, uh, there's a very famous, very expensive and rare board game, Battlestar Galactica, based on the oh. 2005 show. Yep. Where some people are Cylons so, and the rest are humans. And just like in Among Us, but this game came out first, uh, <laughs> you break off to do jobs around the ship and the Cylons will pretend to do the job or sabotage the job. Mm-hmm. And then you all reconvene back. Yep. And then you go through to see what happened, you know, what actually happened there. And Dead of Winter also does oh, that yeah. really well. Yes. Where, uh, you know, like you're collecting food and, you know, raiders come and they demand some food so you throw into this uh you know communal pit uh like stuff right. you're going to offer to the raiders but one person might say oh yeah i'm throwing in three cans of food but instead they're just throwing in some rubbish and they're keeping the food for right, themselves and uh and and that you can deduct based on what cards you pull out like oh these cards came from the police station who went to the police station last round right. and uh you know like the shut up and sit down review they're like yeah uh the one guy was a saboteur and so he literally just followed a, a random innocent person around so if someone went to the school he went to the school after them and then if they oh. went to the police station he went after them so that he so could always pin the blame on them yeah and, and uh <laughs> And that's something you could do with Among Us as well as like, you know, if they if if someone goes to fix the engines, you could also go there and like pretend to fix the fix the engines too. Oh, oh I'll help you. Yeah, yeah. Like uh-huh. I was over there, guys. I was I was yeah. doing that, but um, but you lose that. You know, sure, you can like talk, and people might be able to read your voice, but you lose that that tell. Yeah, exactly. And another thing is like, this is gonna sound very odd, but quality of appearance has also changed like yes in video games we're getting closer and closer to realism mm-hmm. but video games always kind of crack down to the same thing it's either hyper realism or hyper cartoony right and yeah whereas board games there's such a wide variety in the appearance um was it everdell is the one where it's like the uh the force critters in the yes. tree yeah yes. that is absolutely gorgeous um mm-hmm. the the one with plants is also amazingly beautiful. Photosynthesis? Yes. Yes. Like, they're, some of these games look absolutely gorgeous, and there's such a wide variety of yeah. appearances yeah. and, like, styles. Yep. And, and then there are some games that just look like a spreadsheet, but yep. they're incredibly intense and mm-hmm. brain-burning. Yeah. So, like I said, I, while I don't think anytime soon video games are going to die, I think there's a, there's a drastic shift because of mistakes made. Yeah. About 10, 15 years ago. Unfortunately, that's the period that we're coming into in board games. And I'm yeah. hoping that board games don't make the same mistakes. Yeah. If it stays a lot more of small developers making creative games because they want to. Yeah. And the company's putting them out. Like, okay, we'll take a shot on this. But, you know, we always have this game or that game that's going to keep our sales up. Right. That if this is a success, awesome. Huge profit. If it breaks even, meh. It was fine. Yeah. If it's not a huge loss, we're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something to talk uh, to, yeah. to mention too, is like, as you said, like with technology improving, we are able to make these better looking games for cheaper. And yeah. Easier. A lot cheaper. You know, like people are taking old games like hero quest and fireball Island up there. Oh, and yeah. there's a company restoration games. They just up the artwork, give it new mechanics. So it plays more like a modern game and a little more yep. exciting and things like that. And, you know, just give the game a fresh coat of paint, essentially. Yeah. I saw With, that for Hero Quest, actually. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, uh, you know, like just the fact that you can use Hero Quest now, uh, or even Mansions of Madness Second Edition, like yeah. how it it is no longer, unfortunately, like you require an app to play it, but they're able to like the the artwork is so much more improved and now there's like ambient music to it and mm-hmm. you know at certain times certain events trigger uh so it it has just much more of a cinematic feel to right. it right right i was going to say I, I know there was another app based game that we were that we played where it was the uh there's um Let's see. All I remember is the stories. We were on an airship, and someone was murdered, and we had to figure out who did it. That was Mansions of Madness. It was. That was, one, that was one of the expansions. Yeah. Okay. But they. they <laughs> so it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But the same company, um, Fancy Flight. They also have a Lord of the Rings game, which is app based. There's a Star Wars game, uh, Imperial Assault, which is not app based, but there is an app you can get, so you can do it cooperatively. Yeah. Which, or uh, solo. Yeah. We still have to do that. We one. do. It's yeah. It's We've done cool. Rebellion, which is awesome, and I still think we should do it again, so we could do a review. So we can on review it. it, and I want to see how the game finishes, like how it plays out all the way yes. to the end. Yeah. Definitely. But yeah, so I almost I'm... had you, you dick. <laughs> and then there's there's things like Sniper Elite, you know, where right. it's all dry erase markers and some minis on a on right. a board. And sonar, which is nothing and... but dry erase markers. <laughs> um, yep. I was gonna say you that... guys probably if you got to listen to our, our last review, um we had a hell of a time. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I was gonna say, I mean and when you think about that, that is basically the that like all dry erase markers are all spreadsheets. That's basically the grandchild of Battleship. This idea of yeah, yeah, guessing and you know you having to keep track of everything and you know coming up with a strategy. And so there are still these core concepts that keep popping up, mm-hmm. but are done new and more interesting ways. Yeah, because I still love Battleship. Battleship is it's a great game. It's a yeah. great game, and also it's one of my favorites. That there's like a computer version because it's just like this is fun. It's just simple. Yeah. Uh huh. We just put in co- input yeah. coordinates. Yeah. Yeah. And, but taking that basic mechanic of searching, trying to do a grid, you yep. upgrade that a little bit, and then you end up with Sniper Elite. Yeah. In a very yeah. real sense, that's basically what it. Except for it, it's hidden movement as opposed to static, but it's that same idea of like trying to track something yeah. down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That cat and mouse, mouse gameplay. Yeah. And so, like I said, yeah, there there are these like core concepts, but. They're expanding them, making them more interesting and better in new ways. Mm-hmm. Whereas video games are contracting, you have a core concept. Oh, it's an RPG. They're going to feel very similar. As much as I love Dragon Quest and I thought Dragon Quest alone was amazing, it was not that different than, say, 8 or my favorite being 6. Yeah. Like, or oh. Hand of the Heavenly Bride was 6. Yeah. I, that thing. What I see in a lot of video games is if it's an indie developer you're going to get a lot better quality and a lot more uh, diverse gameplay out of an indie developer. Right Mm -hmm. now, one of the biggest games at the moment from an indie developer is Sons of the Forest, uh, which I have been (laughs) waiting for since it was even announced, and that game is just so much fun. They've done a lot of new things that the original game, The Forest, uh, brought in, but they've... They've built upon what they have. the The graphics look incredible, mm-hmm. and the cooperative play is just as fun. Luckily, Jared did not scream like a little girl when he came up against uh, a mutant or a cannibal, unlike <laughs> the first time we played the forest. Um, but I tend to focus more on something like that. Um, and anytime if it's not playing with 
friends, you or Jared, yeah. on a game like that, you will find me in VR. Yeah. Because VR, for me, is just... It's, it's more the, fun. It's, it's the yeah. wild, wild west. You it know, is. it's uh, it's this got... uncharted territory that people are experimenting with. Exactly. I have to pause for a second because if anyone, because I gave the wrong number, Dragon Quest V's hand of the heavenly bride, hand of the heavenly bride, because if someone actually knew it and I didn't want to get flamed for it, I had the wrong <laughs> number. It is five. Still my favorite. Says most interesting story. But with the VR, so for example, yeah. back in the day, we used to play Elder Scrolls. You know, Oblivion yeah. yep. in college, yep. and then. Skyrim and all that, and like those games are good. Yeah. Now I've played one of my favorite games that I bought was called Blade and Sorcery. I try to play Skyrim now, and I go, oh, "This kind of sucks." Yeah. And then they're like, "Oh, we've got played. We've we've got we've got Skyrim, Skyrim VR. VR." I'm going, "Oh, this is this still sucks." <laughs> yeah. Because. I got to do stage combat and fencing and everything in college, so I know how to use a sword. I know how to, you know, do combat. I know how to protect myself. And I play games like this, and I go, I'm going to parry, and it's a slash. No, I didn't say, no, don't. Stop. You know what? Screw this. I'm going back to that game that gives me full free reign. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. going to go back to Blade and Sorcery. Yeah. The one game that I can't get enough of, still my favorite game for VR, is Hot Dogs, Horseshoes, and Hand Grenades. The game is ridiculous. It uh, also has some of the best depictions of a lot of very unique firearms. Yes. Yes. And you've got the modding community who just come up with the most ridiculous, either the most ridiculous things you've ever seen or some of the greatest models that you'll ever find mm-hmm. on the internet. And yeah. these are fully functioning, you know, mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, the gun that is in your hand it works like you would expect it to in mm-hmm. real life. And, of course, they've added a bunch of things. You can get body armor to protect mm-hmm. you and, and everything that does degrade over time. And that's the kind of stuff yeah. that uh, that interests me because yeah. it's also a great workout. Yeah. You can you can move around and you can bob and weave and duck and all of that. And you can't get that just by sitting down with a controller in your hand. I was going to say, for video games, where most of the creativity is, is either in indies or the AA market, where it's not like, it's not right. the one that they're putting $100 million into. It's one like, okay, here's $15 million and a small team. Come with something interesting. And that's how you get... Right, because you're not supposed to do a broad appeal. You're supposed to be like, hey, this game is marketed straight to you. And that's what a lot of the board games here that exactly. have are. And it's yeah. that same thing. It's like, it while it's democratized in that, it's very... And these new and interesting games are available for just about anyone. And, yeah. you know, the cost isn't that prohibitive. And it, unlike th- a video game, like, they're always going to be there. Yes. Yeah. And But, I mean, so then my other thing is, like, the AA market's doing that where it's like, okay, we want we want to make this game. And that we, we're aiming for a core audience. We're aiming for an interesting audience. We're aiming for a very specific audience. And... Hopefully we make our money back with extra. And that's how a lot of, especially Kickstarter board games work. Mm-hmm. Like when um, Gloomhaven was coming out, that was not going to be this huge thing. It was like, I want to, he yeah. was kickstarting. He wanted to make his money back and a little bit extra. And it turned out incredibly well. Yep. And after his second printing, his second run on Kickstarter, he was able to quit his job and become yep. a full-time board game designer. Exactly. So, I mean, it, it is that things like, like I said, I think we are, I think we're in what I call to me, was always my golden days of video games, which is like the mid to late PlayStation 2 into the early PS3 era. Mm-hmm. For you guys, it would be 
the you know Xbox, OG Xbox to 360 into the early 360 market. Uh, I got to go back a little bit. Uh, I got to go back to the 64, the N64 oh. up to then. You know, we had a lot of really good times. GoldenEye 64, but yeah, but even then, like that, there was a lot of learning that was still going on in the video game industry. Oh yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, like shooters were not. Yeah, a real like serious force. They also didn't know until how to Halo. They, you know, right? But and not Golden just Halo, I set ones, that bar. Yeah. Goldeneye really laid that foundation yeah. for all of that stuff. Yeah. But I was gonna say if you, but if you play like the remakes of Goldeneye, you'll notice that they've actually taken what they've learned from modern shooters mm-hmm. to make it play better. Oh yeah, yeah. when when Microsoft bought uh, Rare, mm-hmm. they released. Uh, Rare Replay. Yeah, mm-hmm. Rare Replay, and they released Goldeneye in all its Nintendo 64 glory. Like, it plays amazing yeah. on a dual-stick controller, mm-hmm. like a like an Xbox controller. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And But so that's my thing. It's like, so we're in what I consider one of my favorite times of video games. It's like, you know, that era, that, that mid to late mm-hmm. PlayStation 2 into the PS3. I know, I was, I was Sony more than Xbox. Yep, yep. But that's when we had this huge burst of creativity. It's also when it started getting more and more appeal. So that mm-hmm. way you had more and more games coming out. The unfortunate thing is, is that was at the same time is where you had broad, you had more and more appeal. So more companies are aiming for the broad appeal and to get this wider market, which right. is never the good thing to chase. You want to chase your core market and expand outwards yeah. from word of mouth and board games are doing that better right now. Yeah. And if they stick to that, I can see this growth getting to the point where, you know, Instead of being, you know, $40 billion is the number they're going to aim for. If they do this this kind of growth, it might not be, we might not hit like $150 billion, but I think we'll have steadier growth long term and it won't plateau out. Yeah. That like video games are trying to do where it's, it's not as high a growth. It's yeah. like eight or so percent is what they're expecting, which right. is not much. A steady growth instead of an astronomical. Yeah. yeah. Even which... now, just looking at Kickstarter, uh, I did the math earlier today. Of the top 15 Kickstarter projects in the history of Kickstarter, six of them were board games. Or yep. something board game related. Like right. Wormwood Game Tables was on there. Yep. Uh, oh, isn't that the one that, that you just got? The game table? No, no. no. Wormwood makes high-end, like, uh, gorgeous. Okay. Wormwood is... Thinking of the... the, the they're the, like the Mercedes of wooden I was originally products. looking at getting a Wormwood uh, dice... Uh, Tray. Dice tower, or tower, yeah. the tower. And I'm like the Mercedes. This thing is more than my entire collection of D and D books at the time. For a dice tower, for a dice tower, they are gorgeous. They are expensive. Yeah, if you just, if you like a tray. Like that, I built something like I just a dice one. tray to roll dice into is like seventy dollars. Yeah, they are. They are absolutely gorgeous. They're basically yeah. works of art in wood. Yeah, but, um, but I got so much woodworking stuff. I could really make that much money off of this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. If it's good enough, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good. It's and good. Uh, so, like, some of the others on there were like Frosthaven, mm-hmm. Vox Machina, the because yep. that was fun. the The initial one was funded through Kickstarter. Through Kickstarter, and then Amazon saw the first episode, animated and acted, and they're like, "Oh, okay." And then they funded the rest of the season and all mm-hmm. that. Um, but uh, for those who don't know, that's a D&D live play podcast that was turned into a TV show. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, but then, like, just a variety of other board games uh, yeah. fill out the, the rest of that, um, the other six there. But, yeah, like, the fact that on Kickstarter, of the top 15, 
nearly half of them are board games right now. That's very telling. Oh, yeah. yeah. And I think if they keep to... Yeah, like, honestly, as much as I have some issues with Kickstarter, the way they do stuff, because they do some things real sketchy, <laughs> Um, a lot of the crowdfunding, but crowdfunding, especially for a board game, is such a good idea because it is, it's an easy way to see if you can get your core audience to want it. Yeah. And if they can get it funded and get the, you know, get it together, you have guaranteed sales where you don't have to chase venture capitalists, which are going to bring their own well, mm-hmm. oh, well, if you're getting our money, we want this or that. And mm-hmm. video games fell into that yeah. hard. Yeah. And again, I think I think unfortunately we have to see video games right now as a cautionary tale yeah. as to what could happen to board games. And I hope doesn't. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, so many other media that has gotten more and more popular has done that. Yep. Comic books are another one. It's going to happen eventually. Yeah. I, like, it's just bound to. Speaking of variety. <laughs> yeah. Like, just looking at my wall here, I have games about haunted houses, making wine, Star Wars, zombies, horror, uh, the horrors of Lovecraft. Yep. Um, Always awesome. And then there's there are games coming to Kickstarter right now of one guy trying to simulate Command and Conquer, <laughs> Jason Blake, with his game Seismic. Yes, yep. I'm so excited for that. Uh, there's another game called Adrenaline, which feels like you're playing a first-person shooter, yep. which sounds incredible, right? I yep. like that. I have Catan up here now. Uh, <laughs> which uh, two copies? I was gonna say you've got a, quite a bit of Catan. I have two here. copies of Catan and two copies of Seafarers of Catan, and there's a Cities and Nights of Catan. Cities and Nights, and there's an uh, an Egyptian one up top, still in the original German. Ooh, wow! Uh, yeah. Oh, wow! So, um, all kinds of crazy stuff. And then there's, like, games about hackers with Netrunner and World War II. Yeah, you've so got historical games here. such a variety. Where, with video games these yeah. days, it's like, oh, it's a sci-fi shooter. Yeah. It's a that World War also, II shooter. It's, <laughs> it's a also, Battle Royale game. The variety of how you play is so very different. Like, yeah. Some of the most fun I've had with some of the games, like Azul, such a chill game. It's just little tiles and little cardboard mm-hmm. planks. And then you have things like... Um, like Champions of Midgard where it's a yeah. worker placement you know yeah. like put a guy down get the stuff and yep. then and use Scythe. the stuff to do, that, to do something like, Scythe where it's all of that plus if you get in my way I will destroy you <laughs> but I was going to say also like how you play like I said so you have some where it's like little cardboard and little tiles then you have other ones where it's you know miniatures on cardboard or right. somewhere it's a lot of miniatures Yeah. or you have Baron Park which is literally just like <laughs> I love that game it's so much it's so much it's fun so so silly. It it's so silly it's so silly it's so silly but so fun but it's like oh it's it's just geometric shapes it's super tetris and then you have then you have things like like dungeon fighter where you're bouncing dice yes (laughs) or or if you don't have that much space there are so many good deck games where it's just a card a set of cards like we just did uh the slay here to slay here to slay yeah that was an amazing amount of fun and again it's decks of cards it's just decks of cards yeah right right like like our legendary series here yeah same thing. That's, that's more than decks of cards. Okay. That's like a thousand cards. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Our legendary series here, we've got we've got the Predator films, and we got the <laughs> Alien films. Yeah. And each box is heavy because of so many cards. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's the other thing. Is like, there's also variety in how you play. Yeah. And video games, there isn't much variety except for what console you use. Right. And 
VR is one huge change, and touchscreen is the other kind of mm-hmm. right. Beyond that, it's just controller. That's right. And so. the controllers are dang near identical. You know, yep, like all the about. buttons are in the same place. All yep. the stick, the sticks are in the same place. There's bumpers and triggers, and like yep. it's the same number of buttons in the same spot. Yep. PS5 has like. The, the touch screen on yeah, the it touch and everything, the, the touchpad. Yeah. And PS4 had that too, but like PS5 yeah. has like a nicer one, you know, it has the, a, the it has PS4 a... one. And and also we, we ignore the uh, six axis from PS3. Thank oh God, God, I hate that thing. Yeah, I turned it terrible. off on every game. Just yeah. turning that off. If Switch Smart could idea. get rid of that, that would be great. Smart idea. So r- real quick, I just want to go back to the legendary. Uh, we need to play a game where we mix them. Yeah, one of these days, yeah. Um, Come summertime. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Pretty much how about after I move after I get my house yeah. all situated? I was gonna say we, I'm pretty sure you need the third one, which is just the colonial marines, and you mix them all together and see who's gonna die. Oh, that would be so Oh, weird. we already knew the marines are gonna die. It's just the way it goes. But the marines there's always well, predators the, the aliens are the bigger problem because there's a lot of them and they breed really fast. Yep. Yeah. Humans we can outnumber the predators and just throw attrition win. It's the 40k See, Imperial now, Guard that's, approach. That's actually something, uh, an idea, because like in one of the board game groups I'm in, like someone pitched the idea of like, what is an IP you would like to see as a game and how would it play? And I'm like, hear me out. A An AVP game. Mm-hmm. If you are Predator, it's a hidden movement game. Yes. If you are aliens, you are just swarming the map. Mm-hmm. If you are humans, then it's a dungeon crawl. <laughs> and so each character plays wildly different in well, how yeah. they move, what they roll, how they attack, and all that. And exactly like uh, uh, the Rebellion did with the video game series that yeah, they yep. picked up in 1994. Yeah. And, uh, and all these people are like, I need this game right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the rule book. You would have three separate rule books. Well, oh, it's wor- there's this one game called Root. Mm-hmm. It's a war game, okay. but you are little forest critters. So there are the birds, um, and the birds, the way they're, every single group plays differently. So the birds is a programming game. I don't have any programming games yet, but the, I have a couple digitally. So mm-hmm. what you do is like, um, uh, it's easier to explain it through the game Robo Rally, where you're two battling robots. And so you say like, I'm going to move up first, then I'm going to move left, then I'm going to move right, and then I'm going to move up again. Then I'm, And you program out all your actions. Okay. And okay. then... You have to play them in that order. Yep. So, but if someone like, okay, so the first card, I move up. Second card, I move right. But, you know, so like I move up first turn, you move up the second turn, uh, you know, because you have programmed your cards. And then I move right the second time. But I can't move right because you had just put a box in my way when you moved up. So I skip that. Now my next one, I move right again. I still can't move right. And then I move up. Oh, I just fell into a pit. <laughs> and so, yeah. and like, but anyway, so the birds in Root, they are programmed okay. sequence. So that's how they play. So the the bird player is doing that thing. Then there's another player who... Um, they are strictly just like they're building buildings and the buildings generate troops and then they're throwing troops into the map. And so very much like an RTS game. So basically those are the mice and chipmunks. Yeah. Then there is, um, there's a, I think it's a raccoon. He's a vagrant. He just travels. It's just one character who just moves from space to space on the map and is like trying to sabotage people. And then there are lizard people who are cultists and they, they have their own thing. And so poor lizard people. And so why? Lizards are like reptiles that are always like running cults. <laughs> yeah, right. 
But so every because single they person get in like a mask so they can keep body warmth and stuff when it gets cold. Yeah, you know? I blame the reptilians. It's it's the, the Illuminati is trying to tell us to be aware. But yeah, so every <laughs> single person has to learn a completely different game to play it, which I think is just genius, and it's something that you you really don't see in video games. No, um, that you you just don't. Uh, you kind like. Sure, there are different classes. Like in Overwatch, you know, there are healers and there are tanks and there, yeah. You know, but yeah. but you're still like, you know, the W key still moves forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the you know, there are still some similarities. Where in Root, nothing is the same yeah. from one to the other, except the map that you're on. So, uh, it like board games have that too. Mm-hmm. Like this huge, huge variety and ability to just really make you think and think outside of the box in a way that video game just can't i was gonna say it's actually thinking video game uh theory especially but in game games in general is um uh like basically controlled imbalance where the game is not by design supposed to be balanced yeah certain things are going to work better in certain ways yeah which board games can do that so much better by doing stuff like that where you're playing you know, three different games functionally. Yep. Whereas the only way you can do that in video games is to basically do that, like, oh, different classes, and especially in a multiplayer game, which is doesn't work really well. No. Um, the only time that it kind of works is when you have a game that is basically like a dungeon crawling RPG with multiple people, is that you're going to have... You're basically going to have different character classes that are going to pay, play differently, which uh, a good example of that is the first Borderlands as opposed to the later mm-hmm. ones. Because the first mm-hmm. Borderlands, each of those four characters, their special abilities made them wildly different. And like oh, their yeah. skill trees made them very different. Oh, that game was great. I, I love Still the first Still my favorite. I, a good example is like Brick, all his stuff is either explosive or close range. Mm-hmm. Mordecai is more leaning towards the rear range or yeah. accurate, accurate pistol fire. So lower numbers of bullets mm-hmm. more accurately. The Siren is all about a lot of bullets out as fast as possible, getting as much elemental effect as possible. Roland is about just being able to tank the damage and put it back out. That's why I yeah. always play this. <laughs> but each character is very different in how they're set up yeah. and how you will build them. And together, when you play multiplayer, as the difficulty ramps up, because as you have multiple players, the actual difficulty of enemies just yep. ramps up naturally, you have to, like, kind of change the way you're maybe going to originally plan to set up your character to complement your other people. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's actually a throwback to D&D, is this, mm-hmm. the party adventure yeah. system. But a lot of games can't do that. At best, you get, like, an overwatching. It's like, oh, you're more of a healer. Okay, so you're going to be healing your party. But that's about it. Or, oh, you're going to be the one tanking, but not really doing much damage. You're yeah. just soaking up damage and making sure that they don't get to your allies. Right. But in board games, you can have games playing completely different. Yeah. Like, Betrayal is a golden example. Especially Come to the Haunt. Oh, yeah. You could, depending on the haunt, everyone is doing a completely different thing. Yeah. You can have... Or, um, whereas other games are perfectly balanced risk is a game that from the start is very balanced mm-hmm. like everyone's doing the same things on their turn, turn. You know? yes mm-hmm. just maybe in different ways yeah but then uh, another good example is gloomhaven it's like again it keeps that D idea but because of those cards and how you're selecting your cards 
you're playing a very different game. Like the one game we were playing, I was moving all over the board to mm-hmm. position and you're like in one spot, just hitting the person <laughs> repeatedly. And I'm like, I'm all over the place. Yeah. But it was benefiting for what I was aiming for. Yeah. It was and, like our last game of yeah. Frosthaven. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very much. <laughs> but, and, that, uh, and that kind of, that builds in a lot easier into. Yeah. Uh, Dungeon Fighters, a golden example is because there's so many different ways you're playing that game. There, when we were playing it a lot, there were certain ones I'm like, this is a really great attack or an ability. I'm not going to use it because I'm terrible at that kind of throw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, there were certain throws or certain skills that I was a lot better at. Like, the flick one, I was actually pretty accurate with for some reason. Yeah, right. I have no idea why. I just... But that that is so much easier to do in a board game because you don't have to make the game fair. Yeah. In a very real sense, you don't have to make it fair. Yeah, and that's and when you do try something like that in a video game, people don't want to play, play it. it. You know, yeah. like right. Battlefield 3, I think it was, they had the Overlord option. Yes. You remember where that? One person was basically like an RTS where you're trying to give oh, orders to Yeah, your one team. person yes, had yes, this yes, yes. overhead view of the map. I, uh, I did that a few times. I that, loved that. Yeah, and you yeah. could see where people were falling behind. You could, like, start dropping artillery there to, like, mm-hmm. for them to get into some tanks and help, you yeah. know, and regain that ground. That was a, it was a, com- it was a commanding position. Yeah. yeah. And then there was um, the original version of Forge in Halo. I don't know if you guys ever knew about this. The original version of forge because forge as we know it is just a map making thing yeah uh the original idea for it but they could never get it to work was one person was a monitor monitor for the team and as the team accomplished objectives earned points got kills it built up a currency and then the monitor could buy things and drop in items for their team I remember them, like, showing off, like, a demo yeah. of that initially, but they could never get it to actually work. Yeah, okay, yep. and, like, uh, I uh, and I, I don't know if it's just because of logistics or time or a little bit of both, but that would have been just so cool to see play out, you know, in a game like that. That would have been pretty awesome. Yeah, you know, like, you know, you're, you're racking up kills, and then all, all of a sudden, like, a wave of enemies come at you, and then, boom, like, a turret appears in front of you. <laughs> Because, you know, a monitor is floating right above your head. So, like I said, I mean, that's another thing. Like, so, I I do think that board games, as they are now, are doing really well. And I think, yes. going back to the economics of it, is that because the profit margins are a bit odd. Yeah, especially with shipping right now. Profit yeah. margins are real slim. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, outside of shipping, like, the the profit margins aren't as big as video games used to be. Because back in the day, I mean, it was the AAA was more akin to what we'd call a double A game now, where it's like, you know, you had a few million dollars, make a good game. Yeah. Now it's millions and millions and millions of dollars where you can't allow something to fail without taking a huge hit. Right. But like with the mark profit margins. Cyberpunk. Yep. The profit margins. <laughs> I still there, had fun with that game. Oh yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say with, with but with the way games are like board games are is that. Because you have so much physical stuff you have to work on, mm-hmm. that's going to always eat into cost. I mean, wasn't the one game basically he couldn't make it cheap enough to actually make it? Dex Dixon. Yeah. yeah. And that's a shame because that is, was one that I was really looking really forward, looking forward to. to it. But so there is a good chance, there's at least a small chance that, you know, this kind of outside funding won't come into, or at least not in as much force into the board game industry. Yeah. Which, if that's the case, if they don't come in, you know, these 
investors and stuff, there's a good chance, and they keep more to investing through Kickstarter, you're going to keep this, what we're in now, for a longer period than video games had. Because we had like a golden age of like six or seven years. Mm -hmm. And then it started going downhill rapidly. Yeah. And we're in the beginnings of that. And like I said, if if they don't get a lot of outside investment, I think we're going to stay in that for a longer period. Yeah. And it'll delay the inevitability of, you know, investors and venture capital. Yep. Yeah, we see it a little bit with... Uh... Uh, I I mean, I feel like every episode I yeah. knock on this company, but Simon or come on games where they either ab- way, guys, you need to change your name again. It I sounds know. bad. They, they abuse Kickstarter and they pump out lots of lots of games and have stuff locked behind Kickstarter exclusives and things like that. But yeah, you know, big companies are are always going to exist, and they're always going to do garbage like that. But yeah. it's not as prevalent in board games. Yeah, for right. sure. I was going to say you have what one, maybe two companies in board games right now that are, you know, yeah, shitty. How yeah. many uh, video game companies can you name? How yeah. many of them are shitty? How many well, can't you name would be the easier way to do it. Let's, you know? let's just look at the king, EA. EA. Yeah. EA Sports. It's, it's in, in the, the game. game. Oh, I was going to say about the only. Uh, no, Marvelous got shitty, so they're special. P-Cube, they don't care. They just keep getting in trouble because, you know, they keep putting as much fan service in as possible and they're getting angry. Gust is at least trying to have some fun with it, but they're getting angry because how dare they make Rise to have such thick thighs? How dare they? The holy thighs. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, let's end it on a happy note. Yes. Uh, it's getting late. Yep. So let's end this conversation on a happy note. In terms of like, uh, what what would either what's your favorite type of board game, or what's your favorite game that we've played so far at this table uh, that we've played or that we've reviewed? Played. We can just go with played. Okay. Shit. Um. Okay. I I can actually answer this one quick because it's one of the things I can't get in video games anymore, and that's just like a really nice chill experience. And my favorites have to be either Azul, mm-hmm. Baron Park, I or I, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the one where um, it's like the the skulls, and it's where you have to like bet skull uh, skull. It's just it's called, called skull. Yeah, it used to be called Skull and Roses. Skull and Roses. Okay, Skull. I was gonna say those ones I love because they're yeah. they're not they're competitive, but they're not hyper competitive, and yeah. they're very like. Relaxing. Just something you can like have a conversation around yep. while playing. You can have yeah. a few. You can have a beer or two. You can just chat, have fun, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just play. Yeah, I agree with that. I like that. Yeah, I'd have to say, um, going through. I really love. First of all, as you know, I'm a huge fan of H.P. Lovecraft and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. So I have to say, Cthulhu: Death May Die. Has <laughs> oh, I love favorite. that game. Just because of all of the all of the stories we've read, you and I both have the complete works. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, every time one of these, and we even said in the podcast, every time you see one of these great old ones even mentioned, it's just pure terror, like things you can never comprehend. And in Death May Die, it's all about like every other game that has something to do is like, no, 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 you can't let them, don't let them bring a, a great old one in. You, you're you're going to lose. This one is like, bring it, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to kill him. Let them we're come. Then, we're going to get him. I mean, my, and, my absolute favorite, and it's not technically a board game, it would definitely be D&D because oh, just all yeah. the great stories yeah. and moments we've had playing. I agree with that too. Yeah. 
um, in terms okay. of board games. Yeah, D&D for sure. It's a separate animal. Yeah, but in terms of board games, like, Gloomhaven, I, I love Gloomhaven. I love everything about that game. But lately... Like I just look at Scythe, and I this warm feeling See, just that's fills me. One. This fuzzy feeling, like being wrapped in a blanket. Like I just, <laughs> I just love the the aesthetics of the game, the, the feel me- of the like just when you plop one of the mechs down on the board and it makes this good thunk sound and like ah, <laughs> oh, just everything about that game just is so good well, like the aesthetics so are pleasing the mechanics are great yeah. and well thought out and jack it like you wouldn't freaking like, because again that's another one where like it, it's intense but you can still like it's it's like a chess game cuz you know mm-hmm. like you can still hold a conversation around mm-hmm. it and you're taking your time with it and and, and this is this is a this is a Stegmire game, right? Yeah. Okay, so yeah. when we were talking with Jamie about this, who is the creator of the game, um, and we had talked about this because all of his games have that same feel to them where you do th- – here, here are your objectives. This is how you play. But things come about naturally. So you can war in this game. Yeah. But it's not something you necessarily – like PJ and I play. It's not something you necessarily like, hey, I'm going to get this. I'm going to destroy you, you dick. It's something that like, I'm going here. I've got a mech now. Cool. I'm going here. Dude, You're. I need that spot. I need yeah. that resource. Yeah. Like, and so it just, it just happens. Yeah. I'm sorry. You and I are going to have to go to battle. But – and when Jamie was talking to us about it, it's like when when you do stuff like that, there are never consequences where like you've lost it all and you have yeah. to build again. It's like, well, no, you just you can keep your stuff, but you're just no longer on that spot anymore. You got to yeah. go back to the beginning and work your way back, but you don't lose yeah. what you've already built. Yeah. So it's very natural and f- like free flowing. Yeah. Everything's moving yeah. forward, which yeah. is really fun. Yeah. All right. I think we had a good conversation. Yeah. It was pretty fun. I like it. Yeah. I, 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 def, I would like to do more of these, you know, yeah. and just have more roundtable discussions about... But we're at a square table. It's I a am, rectangular. It's a rectangle, and I'm going to throw something at your box. head. We're <laughs> Actually, we're in the basement, because that's mm. where they'll allow us. Yeah. Else. But, yeah, uh, I, um, as current events come up and things like that, I yeah. definitely want to cycle back like i would like to do one about like ips and games and talk about D yeah. at some point with the movie cool. and other board game movies on the way and all yeah. that uh and things like that so hopefully our listeners like this as much as i like talking yeah. about it because this is fun uh if you guys like it go ahead feel free to uh, uh reach out to us and let us know what you yep. think if you think that we're just a bunch of blowhards then okay i'll take that and tell us that too also, we, yeah we want to hear from you regardless you know also, I just want to say thank you because I've popped up on a bunch of different podcasts other than my normal Danger and Dice. This is nice. Yeah, right? You've been all over tonight. <laughs> I, yeah. I just I keep just breaking yeah. in and they just don't kick me out. Listen to my sister and brother-in-law's podcast, Liminal Unlimited. Uh, Jack makes a surprise appearance in episode two of our Skinwalker Ranch episodes. So. <laughs> I broke in and nobody kicked me yeah, out. He I just intruded and then then suddenly he was sitting in a chair at the table with us. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I was there for the last half hour and everybody knew I was there except Kyle. Yep. <laughs> uh, That's because that, we were actually trying to ignore you, but somehow you just keep like, just yeah. make yourself known. I mean, I was trying to throw some cans at his head, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you guys told me no. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> 
Uh. But yeah, no, I would I, I would actually love to be on this more. <laughs> yeah. I just it's so hard for me to get time where we can just sit here it and really play is. a game and it really is. Busy adults with busy jobs and yeah. responsibilities. Yeah, it's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. If uh, you have any comments or any thoughts, if you agree, disagree, email us at gamesoboard at gmail.com or just visit gamesoverboard.com and there's a contact link there. You can just hit that and send us a message. Yeah, I would I would actually I wouldn't mind there to be a, a more deep conversation either on the Facebook or in email about yeah. what people think of whether we're on the mark, whether we're off the mark or maybe there's something we didn't think yeah, about for sure. Or if you yeah. just want to say, oh, hi, Mark. I swear to God, if Tommy Wasso shows up in our things and starts messaging us, I'm blaming you, Dan, and you're losing a kneecap. I don't need to lose a kneecap. I'll, I'll fully take it. With Tommy Wasso, I'll talk with him all day if I have to. <laughs> I'm worried that his normal voice inflection is just his character. It, it is. Oh, God. <laughs> if you're doing the talking then, because no... You're tearing me apart, Lisa. <laughs> okay. For uh, listeners out there, watch the room, and uh, uh, or if you don't want to watch that, uh, no, watch no, the you disaster need to, artist. You need to see the room and then watch the disaster artist. Uh, but just know that the room, the first twenty minutes are weird, real weird. You think? Like, <laughs> once you get past the first 20 minutes, it gets hilarious. It's and not intentionally. Uh, I, it was still a hard watch for me. I, I, <laughs> I had to take But breaks. the first 20 minutes are full of, like, all these, like, weird, like, you know, pervy sex scenes and stuff like that. And then... What is, the, what is he doing? Is it... Is it that's her belly button. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you can get past those scenes that are, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes, then... Like they don't show up again for the rest of the movie, and the and yeah, it's just so bad. It's good, and I, then watch the disaster artist of how it was made. I was gonna say there's only so many hours in the day and so much life I have. I, I, I'm gonna go ahead and pass. I, I've seen enough of the room to just pass. <laughs> then just watch the disaster artist. Yes. <laughs> All right, everyone, that'll do it for us for this week. Thanks for listening. 